Well, good morning. Hope everybody had a great week. Um, and if you didn't, a new week starts today. So uh, we forget about last week and, and concentrate on this week. Um, I'm going to take us back into the uh, Old Testament, into the book of Judges uh, this week. Um, for reading about a man that I think many of us know the story of and um, I've heard it told a bunch of times, but this was the first time that, and I had read through it before, but this was the first time I stopped and really studied uh, the life of Samson. Uh, Our reading is going to come from uh, Judges chapter 16, starting in verse 4. But I would encourage you that uh, in your reading this week to go back and, and, and read a little bit deeper into his life. It, it was, I know they've made movies about it, but really the, the story of his life could be put into a drama, um, some parts a comedy, obviously action, probably even a, a superhero type movie. Um, and What's amazing about that is, is, is that the movie of his life was all placed inside the Bible, which is a love story. So um, we're going to look at his life a little bit today and, and specifically uh, how he got to the point um, towards the end of his life that he ended up in. But uh, we're going to start our, our reading in Judges 16, verse 4. And if you found it, if you would stand for the reading of God's word. Judges 16, verse 4. And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sork, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said unto her, Entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth. And by that means we may, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will give thee every one of us eleven hundred pieces of silver. And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and whereth thou might mightest be bound to afflict thee. And Samson said unto her, If they bind me with seven green widths of um, or that were never dried, then shall I be weak and be as another man. And the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven green widths, which had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now there were men lying in wait, abiding with her in the chamber, and she said unto him, The Philistines be upon you, Samson. And he brake the widths as the threads of a toe is broken when it touches the fire. So his strength was not known. And Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If they bind me fast with new ropes that were never occupied, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Delilah therefore took new ropes and bound him, uh, therewith, and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And there uh, were liars in wait. There were liars in wait abiding in the chamber. And he brake them 
from off his arms like a thread. And Delilah said unto Samson, Hitherto thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with a web. And she fastened it with a pin and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awakened out of his sleep and went away with the pin and the beam and with the web. And she said unto him, How canst thou say, I love thee, when thine heart is not with me, and has mocked me these three times, and has not told me wherein thy great strength lieth? And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. Then he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of Philistine, saying, Come up at once, for he has shown me uh, all his heart. Then the lords of Philistine came and unto her and brought money in their hand, and she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off his seven locks of his head, and she began to afflict him, and this strength was, was went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he was not that the Lord was departed from him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for another day. Thank you for the breath you allow us to breathe. Thank you for everything in our lives. Lord, we, all, we owe everything to you. Lord, I just pray that you will press upon our hearts today what you want us to hear, what you want us to know. Give us something that we can take without, with us throughout the week that, um, that we may live out your word. Lord, I just pray that you will speak to us. Allow us to feel your spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, the story of Samson actually goes back a few chapters before this. Um, before he was born, an angel went to his mother. And his mother was barren. We've seen this before with Sarah. An angel went to her and told her, you're going to have a son. God is going to give you a son. But there were some stipulations with this. When God gives you this son, when you, when, when you conceive this son, you are not to drink any wine or hard drink. You weren't allowed to drink any liquor, right? You weren't allowed to have any alcohol. So another stipulation was you're not allowed to eat anything that is unclean. And the other stipulation that he said was you are not allowed to take a razor to his head. Now, the reason he, the angel told her all these things is because God wanted Samson to be a, um, a Nazarite from the womb. Now, what is a Nazarite? Is it somebody from Nazareth? No, that would be um, a Nazarene. Correct. A Nazarite is actually somebody that takes an oath or a vow to the Lord to live a certain way that, that um, they would show their dedication 
to God. So he asked them to do all these things. Another one of those stipulations would be, you're not allowed to be near a dead body. It makes you unclean. So, as time goes by, and he gets a little older, probably in his teenage years, he meets a girl. And this girl happens to be a Philistine which is not good for his family. They, they, they don't approve of this, but he wants to marry this girl. Says he loves her. His parents try to convince him, you don't want to marry a Philistine. You want to marry an Israelite. Well, he rejects that. He says, no, he refuses. So one day, he's taking his parents to go visit her. And on the way, he gets attacked by a young lion. The Bible says he kills this lion with his bare hands. Now, it could be that this is the first time that he actually sees the power that, that God has given him, the strength that God has given him, because the Bible tells us that he doesn't tell his family about it. He doesn't tell his mother and father about it. So they meet with this girl. They meet with the Philistine girl who he is to marry, who wants to marry. And as he's going home, he passes by that same carcass of the dead lion that he killed on the way there. And what he's noticed is that bees have overtaken the carcass and are living inside of it. And they've made a bunch of honey that is inside the carcass of this dead lion. So he reaches into the carcass and pulls out some honey and eats it, breaking one of the other vows of not eating anything that it would be unclean. Then he gives some to his father. His father eats it and enjoys it. So his father ends up going to get the Philistine woman for a wedding. Now, um, today we have a wedding day. But in these times, they had a wedding week. It was a week-long festivity. And the groom was actually in charge of the festival. Okay, um, that means that uh, Samson was going to have to put on this feast. Now, the wedding feast, the, the word feast in uh, the Hebrew is mishteh, which means drink or by implication of drinking. So what he's doing is he's throwing a week-long drinking celebration, a week-long uh, drinking party is what this is going to boil down to, which is going to end up breaking yet another one of the Nazarite laws. So during this party, uh, Samson is approached by 30 Philistine men, and he makes a bet with them. He says, if I can tell you a riddle, and you get the riddle right, I'll give each one of you 30 new clothes and a sheet. But if you can't answer it, you owe me the same. You have to give me 30 pieces of clothing and 30 sheets. The riddle was all about him. And it was all about his, um, uh, his killing of the lion. Uh, let me see here. It says, uh, I didn't. I didn't write the, the riddle out, so I'll, I'll find it here. 
14.14. That's right where I was about to be. And it says, um, The riddle went, Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. So he, he's talking about when, when he had killed the lion and the bees made honey within the lion. So they can't figure it out. So what they do is they end up going to his new bride and they threaten her. They say, if you can't go to Samson and find out what the, the uh, answer to this riddle is, we're going to burn you and your family to death. So she goes and asks Samson. She says, Samson, I need to know what the answer to this riddle is. And he refuses to tell her. So what does she do? She cries for the rest of her wedding week. She cries sobbing day and night because her husband won't tell her what it is. So finally... This, this is not a very good start to the wedding, okay? So, finally, Samson caves. But I want you to take a look at why he caves. Um, I'm sorry. Well, we're, not, we're not there yet. We, we, we will get there. Uh, so, he finally caves, finally tells her, what, 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 what the riddle is all about. And then she goes and tells the 30 Philistines. Well, the Philistines go to him and say, we figured out your riddle. We understand what it was. You owe us these 30 garments. Well, he's angry because he knows that there's only one other person that knows the answer to this riddle. And his words to, to them were in uh, 1418, he says, and he said unto them, if ye had not plowed with my heifer, ye had not found out my riddle. So he just called his wife a heifer, which is probably the last thing you want to call your uh, new bride or during your wedding week. Now, that, that's actually a, a saying, uh, you plowed with my heifer, meaning uh, you plowed a field with a milk cow, which is just not done. He's saying, you did something that you weren't supposed to do. But in our day, we hear he called his wife a heifer. So he's off to a bad start in this marriage. But Samson, being a man of his word, knows that he has to pay this debt. So, like any normal person, he went out and murdered 30 people and took their clothes from them and paid off his debt. So after making his wife cry throughout the whole first week of marriage, calling her a heifer, and killing 30 people, Samson caps off this special week by leaving his wife behind. Leaves his wife with her father and goes home alone. Well, a short time later, he decides to go back and try and salvage this marriage. Well, the father of the bride wants nothing to do with him. He says, I'm sorry, you can't see her. I've already given her to somebody else. But how about taking her younger sister? Isn't she more beautiful than, than your, your former wife? Well, Samson doesn't like this idea. Samson doesn't like this idea at all. So 
He did again what any normal man would do. He catches 300 foxes. And he takes them two by two and ties their tails together. And attaches torches to them. And lets them run through the Philistine cornfields. Burning up all of their crops. Well, surprisingly, the Philistines didn't think this was very funny. So they ended up burning his wife and father-in-law to death. Well, this upset Samson. You can see how this would make a, 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 a movie of just action and, and, and drama. But this upsets Samson. So Samson goes on a killing spree. We don't know how many people he killed during this time, but the Bible says he smote them hip and thigh in a great slaughter. Meaning he killed so many people that these bodies were just getting piled up around him. So the Philistines realized that they were never going to be able to take Samson themselves. So they went to the men of Judah and they told them, Men of Judah, you need to bring him to us. We're not capable of capturing him. You can. Talk to him, bound him, and bring him to us. So they go to him, the men of Judah, and they plead with him. They, they, they try and rationalize with him. They say, you're bringing all of this trouble upon us. Please allow us to turn you in. And it appears as though Samson says, you know what, you're right. Go ahead, bound me, and take me to them. But what we're going to find out was that was really just a trick. He lets them bind him. They let him tie him up, take him to the Philistines. But as soon as he gets to the Philistines, he breaks loose from his uh, bondage, picks up the jawbone of a donkey, and kills a thousand Philistines. So if you haven't noticed yet, Samson has killed a lot of people, which would put him at breaking another vow of not being around a dead body, right? So he's broken the vow of not being around a dead body. He's broken the vow of not drinking. He's broken the vow of uh, not eating anything that would be unclean. And then we're introduced to Delilah. This is where we picked up uh, our reading. Well, at the start of chapter 16, I, I didn't read the first three verses, but the very first verse in chapter 16, we find Samson with a prostitute. And then three verses later, we're introduced to the next love of his life, which is Delilah. So we're not told anything about Delilah other than the fact that Samson says that he loves her. Well, from what we read, the, the feelings were apparently not mutual. Because she accepted a bribe from the Philistines for 1,100 pieces of silver to uh, find out what is Samson's weakness. What can we do to him so that we might be able to capture him and afflict him? So she agrees to do it. In her first try, she questions him. She said, tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth. And wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. So her question is, Samson, where does your strength come from? 
And how could I tie you up if I wanted to hurt you? Well, that's an odd question to be asked. So he tells her that if you get seven fresh cords that haven't been dried out and you tie me up with them, then I'll be weak like an average man. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us why Samson lied to her. Um, he was a man that would obviously be pretty full of himself. So he might have just been playing around with her. I think more than likely, he didn't trust her. He didn't trust her not to do something to him. And after a question like that, I'm not sure how any man could trust her. How could, it, how could you even fall asleep near her uh, knowing that she's asking these questions? So she ends up tying him up with these seven fresh cords, and then she woke him up trying to sound like she was the one helping him. Samson, the Philistines are coming. They're, they're here to capture you, making it sound like she's trying to help him. So he wakes up, breaks the bondage. He breaks the cords. So the second time she tries it, Delilah's upset with him. She says, you lied to me. How could you lie to me? And she insists that he tell her the truth. So once again, Samson lies to her and says, you have to use new rope. You have to use new rope if you want to truly tie me up. If you tie me up with new rope, I can't break it. I'll be like an average man. Same thing happens. She wakes him up, says the Philistines are coming. He breaks the rope. So you lied to me again. Tell me the truth this time. By, by the way, this is a good point. We often think of Samson, when you see pictures of him, as this big, muscle-bound, incredible Hulk, wrestler-looking guy. I don't believe that he was. I think he was probably an average-looking person. Because if he was very muscle-bound and just a really huge man... Why would she be asking where his strength came from? Wouldn't it be obvious? I think he was probably more of, a, a, of an average-sized person, which makes the, the power of God all more impressive. But, again, we're not told, but um, it, it seems to make sense to me. So anyway, um, he lies to her again and says, if, if you weave my hair together, he has seven locks of hair. If you weave my hair together and put a pin in it, then I won't be uh, strong. I'll be weak like any other man, and then anybody can overtake me. He's getting closer to uh, what the truth is. But again, same thing happens. Fourth try. Now she's going to try a different tactic. She says, if you really loved me, you would tell me. I haven't been married all that long, but I know that when a woman says, if you really loved me, you're about to give something up. It's either you're about to give up some money, you're about to give up some time, you're going to give up a game that you really wanted to watch, you're going to give up something that you really wanted to do. Well, he's about to give up his secret, but I got to give him credit because he doesn't do it right away. He doesn't do it right away. Um, it says in verse 16, because after she said this to him and he wouldn't give, her, uh, give in to her, it says, 
And it came to pass that she pressed him daily with her words. So it took several days after she said this that she just kept pressing on him. Pressing on him daily. And urged him so that his soul was vexed to death. What does that mean? She bugged him to death is what it's saying. It says, so that his soul was vexed unto death. She bugged him to death. She pestered him. She kept pressing on him until he couldn't take it anymore. And he just told her his secret. He caved. So he told her it was his hair. So she gets him to fall asleep. She calls in a Philistine. And once he's asleep, the Philistine shaves his head. Then she wakes him up shouting, the Philistines are here to capture you like she did the first three times. See, his response was, don't worry about it. I'll go outside and handle this the way I always have. And then we read one of the saddest verses in scripture. And he wished not that the Lord was departed from him. Some people mistakenly think that it was Samson's hair that gave him this great power. But that's not where it came from. God was the source of his strength. And cutting off his hair was just the fourth broken bow of a Nazarite. So, remember, a bow is a promise. He's breaking promises to God. And when you break a promise to God, you're continually moving away from him. A.W. Tozer once said, if God seems far away, guess who moved? God wants to be in your life. God wants to be around you. But the more promises we make, the more times we reject him, the further away he's going to feel. So how did he end up in this situation? How did Samson end up in this situation? The first thing he did was he thought too highly of himself. As a young man um, that had done superhuman manly things, you can understand why he would be so full of himself. You look at athletes today that that the, the media makes look like superheroes. They think very highly of themselves, right? And this man had killed a lion with his bare hands. He killed 30 people just to pay off a bet. He killed so many people on one occasion that's described as bodies just piled up to his waist. And then he killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. He was probably full of himself. He was probably sure that nothing bad could happen to him because he was the toughest man on the planet. But let me ask you this. Do we ever hear him giving thanks or praise to God? You go back to the beginning of of Samson, I believe it's in uh, 13 or maybe 14, and read on. You're not going to find him giving thanks to God. In fact, he only prays twice. We only hear him praying twice. And the first time he prays was after killing a thousand men with with the jawbone. And what does he pray for? His prayer goes a little something like this. He says, God, 
I just, you just saw me kill a thousand men in battle. You just saw me put a thousand men to death. And now I'm going to die of thirst. Lord, I need some water. He didn't say, Lord, thank you for protecting me against these thousand men. Thank you for seeing me through this battle. He said, no, Lord, you saw what I just did. Now I need some water. That was his prayer to God. We're going to talk about the second prayer in a minute, but you may have never faced a thousand men in battle. You never, maybe you've never had to kill a thousand people just to save your own life. But if God ever brings you uh, through any kind of situation, if he ever gets you through something you could never have gotten through on your own, the first thing out of your mouth needs to be thank you. Not I'm a little parched. It needs to be, Lord, I don't know why you are so good to me, but I thank you for all that you've done for me. Don't get to the point in your life where you think you're somebody. That's what Samson did. He began to think that he was more than he was. He began to think of himself without God. Don't get to the point where you think you're somebody. That you've done all this on your own. That you've pulled yourself up by your own bootstraps. That you're a self-made man or woman. You couldn't have done any of those things without God by your side. You couldn't have done any of those things without God giving you the ability to walk and talk and think and breathe. All those things were given to you because of God. And we use those things in a manner that brings glory to God. I don't care how much God has blessed you. Don't let yourself become like Samson. And by the way, I don't know if you can tell, when I say his name, I'm trying so hard not to say it with a P. Samson, but it, it just, it, it, I don't know. It's hard for me to do for some reason. The second thing I want to take us to take away from this is, how did he get here? He gave in to his weakness. We see other people that had the same weakness. David had a weakness for women. Solomon in his later years in life, had a weakness for women. And here we see Samson with the same weakness. But women aren't the only weakness of men. Money can be a weakness. A weakness is basically something that uh, you turn to instead of God. It's something that you put before God. Because sin, uh, a weakness is just another way of saying you're sin. So what are some things that men put before God? This is men and women. Money, their spouse, their careers. Children can be something that, that you would put before God. Some people even put sports before God. Drugs, social media. Anything you put before God is a weakness in your life. And it's called sin. When you wake up in the morning, is your first thought, Lord, thank you for giving me another day? Or is it, let me see who liked my post from last night while I was asleep? Or how am I going to get high today? 
Drug addicts put their high above God. Or let me see, let me check my bank account. See if that check was deposited yet. Or let me check the scores from last night's game. We often think of idols uh, when we, when we, because when they're talking about in the Bible, they're talking about idols that they're little figurines or, or things that have been man-made that people will sit down and worship in front of. But that's not necessarily an idol. An idol is anything that you put before God. Samson putting Delilah ahead of his vow to God ended up putting him in, it made him become physically weak and without God. Things that we put before God make us weak Christians and make us feel distanced from God. What keeps you from church? What keeps you from your Bible? What keeps you from praying? What keeps you separated from God is a weakness in our life. It really comes down to priorities. And some people may say, well, you need to find out what you're putting before God and cut that out of your life. But that's not true. You don't want to cut your children out of your life. It's about reprioritizing. What is most important to you? You need to put God before everything else in life. Kate and I went to see the, uh, the movie Overcomer uh, last week. And one part of it really stuck with me. There was a man laying in a hospital bed, and he asked uh, another character that was in the movie, he, he said, uh, if I were to ask you to describe yourself, what would you say? How would you describe yourself? And the guy said, well, I'm a coach. Uh, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a teacher. And, he said, and, and the guy stopped and he said, wait, wait, wait. I won't be specific. What? Really tell me who you are. He said, well, I don't know what to tell you. He said, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a six foot tall white male. So I want to ask you this. If you were asked to, to define yourself, how would you define yourself? Would it be, well, I'm a hard worker. I'm a good husband. I'm a good father. How far down the list would Christian be? How far down the list would it take you to say, I'm a Christian? We need to put that on top. We need to let being a Christian define who it is that we are. We need to make God our number one priority. The final takeaway I want us to recognize is that it wasn't until Samson was at his lowest did he recognize his need for God. You see that after his hair was cut off and God was no longer blessing him with strength, the Philistines were finally able to subdue him. And what did they do to him? They were able to gouge his eyes out. He was bound with bronze chains. He was put in prison and forced to ground meal. And then he was chained between two pillars for the amusement of the Philistines. And it wasn't until then 
when he had nowhere else to go, when he had no one to turn to, no place else to hide, he's blinded to the world, when he had no one else in his corner, that he finally turned to God. You see, sometimes God needs to break us down to build us back up. Sometimes he needs to take away all those things that we put before him and humble us so that we can put our faith back into him. In Hebrews 11, uh, when, the, the hall of faith, is it's called, uh, it starts beginning to talk about Samson and uh, David and, and um, uh, Gideon, Samuel. And in verse 34, it says, from weakness, they were made strong. God had to make Samson weak to make him strong in faith. And Samson's final words were a prayer to God in which he asked God, remember me. He asked God to remember him. Um, And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged for the Philistines from my two eyes. He's asking God, remember him, make me strong, allow me to, 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 to avenge what they've done. God doesn't only remember you. He loves you, and he wants to be close to you. Don't push him away. Don't allow your worldly desires to come before him. Recognize him for all that he has done and is doing in your life. That's where Samson went off track. He he was a Nazarite. He made so many vows to God that he was going to live in a manner that, that, that that would praise him, that would bring glory to him. And show his dedication to God. And every step along the way that we read about Samson in the Bible, he's breaking those vows. Until finally, he's so far from God that he no longer feels God's power in his life. And he's broken down. And on death's door, he's about to be murdered. And then he turns to God. Don't allow yourself to get that far down the path. Turn to God, make him a priority, make him first in your life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Lord, I just pray that these were your words and not mine. Lord, I just pray that we would put this on our hearts and make you first in our lives. Lord, Lord, you are so important to us. You need to be number one. Number one in our thoughts, number one in our our hearts. Lord, we just want to lift you up and continue to pray, pray to you and, and, and have a relationship with you that just brings us closer together. Lord, I pray that you will give us the love that you've shown us. Allow us to show that love to others. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.